0: So normally I would um, be one of the people seated, one of the hundred or so pairs of eyes at the receiving end, you know, focused on the podium, but today I'm on the other end. So let's just hope I make it out of here without forgetting my lines. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, King of Glory, we thank you for the grace you have given us to be here today again uh, to commemorate the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. We thank you because we know that um, for every seed to grow, it has to first be planted, it has to die before it can spring forth. And you have demonstrated this by sending your son to die for us on the cross and be buried and to resurrect on the third day. As we're about to go into your word today, we pray that you give us a receptive mind and give us um, the grace to be able to key into what we're talking about today, which is um, the weak is strong. Thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. So our theme for today's Good Friday service is Weak is Strong. And our text is taken from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Please follow along as I quickly read the text. For the word of, God is, for the, word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written... So the very first text of our verse, verse 18, says that for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us, all of us here, who are being saved, it is the power of God. So that very first um, statement implies that the same words are perceived differently by different groups of people. And now we're talking about two distinct groups of people. People that are being saved, us who are being saved by virtue of us being Christians, and people who are yet to be saved, who we have a charge to bring into the fold, who, are, uh, who will perish if they don't get saved. So today, as we commemorate the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, let's take a few minutes to reflect on these words of the cross that were spoken about in that passage, the words on the cross. Um, the books of the gospel from Mark to John have recorded accounts of some words that Jesus spoke while he was on the cross. So we're gonna go into these words. The very first word on the cross can be seen in the book of Luke, chapter 23, verses, uh, verse 20, 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Jesus said, Father, forgive them For they know not what they do the bible records that jesus uttered these words when he was being led to the crucifixion now let's put this in context a little bit as far as those calling for jesus to be crucified were concerned the act was ordered by pilate himself so it was a legitimate act they felt they knew what they were doing they felt they were doing the right thing by crucifying jesus remember that pilate had tried to dodge this responsibility by pushing it to King Herod. But the king pushed it back to Pilate. Now, these are two powerful leaders who could have done anything and said anything. If they had said, do not kill Jesus, Jesus would not have been killed. So they, they themselves did not know what they were doing as leaders, and the people also did not know what they were doing. Because if they had let Jesus leave, we would not be here today celebrating his death and crucifixion. But Jesus still said, Forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Here was Jesus praying that they be forgiven, for they knew not what they do. And tying this back to our text, this first word was a folly to these people. What Jesus said didn't make sense to them, for they thought they were doing the right thing. But it makes a whole lot of sense to us, because we are saved. Now, looking at the second word on the cross, we can see that in the book of Luke, chapter 23, 23, verse 43 and he said to him truly i say to you today you will be with me in paradise now who was jesus talking to here jesus was talking to one of the people who were being crucified with him now if we look at it with human human eyes or logical reasoning it doesn't make sense three of you have been condemned to death by crucifixion and here you are promising somebody else paradise it doesn't make sense it sounds like folly these words said by jesus provide yet another illustration of how the words of the cross are a folly to those who are perishing but it is the power of god to those who are being saved to us that are being saved you know here were two criminals being crucified alongside jesus christ one of them chose the path of salvation by asking to be remembered in Jesus' kingdom, while the other chose the path of eternal damnation by mocking Jesus and even asking Jesus to save himself. So, still, while still on the cross, Jesus said another word or, or uttered another statement. Uh, in John chapter 19 verses 26 to 27, we read that when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. Now, everybody knows that Mary is the mother of Jesus. And here was Jesus saying something that did not make sense, another folly to people who are not saved Woman, behold your son. Like, it almost feels like a public act of betrayal. And he told the the disciples, Behold your mother. Many onlookers on crucifixion day might have wondered why Jesus made such a public show of denying his own mother. Um, While this might have sounded like a foolish act of betrayal to the unsaved, it's actually a very powerful act of ensuring protection, support, and provision for his earthly mother. Remember that in in those times, women and children would have been cared for and provided for by either their husbands or their adult sons. At this point, Joseph was no longer in the picture, right? So Jesus was the adult son that Mary had that was supposed to provide for him. And Jesus knew that he would die on that day. So in one of his final acts of compassion, he made that move to hand over his mother, to another son and because his disciple was also saved that did not sound like foolishness the Bible says from that hour the disciple took her to his own home and continued to care for her our text goes on to say in first Corinthians chapter 1 verse 25 that for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men Man is made of flesh, all of us are made of flesh. And when Jesus took on the flesh of man to die for our sins, some of our human weaknesses were made manifest in Jesus' human body. Because Jesus had to take on human flesh to come to this world. And we are inherently human, we are flawed. And one such example of this is found in the fourth word on the cross. You know, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, B, the second part, and even Mark 15:34, Jesus said, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" That was the flesh acting through Jesus. That was a moment of weakness. That was Jesus calling on his father and asking him, "Lord." Why have you forsaken me? Now, this teaches us a very powerful lesson that as believers going through trials and tribulations and different issues, we might find ourselves questioning if truly God has forsaken us. Many of us have been there. We're going through such a tough time. We're having such a hard time that we think, we ask ourselves, is it worth it? Is God still here? Is God still listening to me? Just the way Jesus, while he was on the cross, feeling the pain in his human body, called unto God and asked, why have you forsaken me? However, we must always remember one thing, that God will never forsake us. The psalmist said in Psalm 23 verse 4, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So it's not not in doubt that we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But we should remember that the Lord will always be with us. The Lord will never forsake us, even if it seems that we cannot see him or feel him. Jesus Christ, um, through his death and resurrection, took the ultimate symbol of witness. And the ultimate symbol of witness here is his death on the cross. That was a weak point. That was a low moment. And he turned it to a symbol of strength because three days later he resurrected, never to die again. Resurrection and eternal life is a symbol of strength. And as we commemorate the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ today, how then do we as Christians transform our human weaknesses and turn them to strengths? How then? Do we leverage on some of the examples that Jesus gave us in the words on the cross? A clue can be found in one of the last words that Jesus said while still on the cross. In the book of Luke 23:46, it is recorded that Jesus said, Jesus then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, "Father, into your hands I commit my spirit." "Father, into your hands I commit my spirit." now jesus had no doubt that if he committed his spirit unto the lord he would rise again on the third day never to die again and that's exactly what happened but first he had to trust the lord enough to commit his spirit now as christians as we go about our daily lives and we are shaped by the knowledge we have or the ideas we have about how things should be done are we willing to follow the example that Jesus set for us. Jesus was willing to commit his spirit into the hands of the Lord. Are we willing to commit our affairs into God's hands and have no doubt in our mind that once we do that, God is gonna take care of us? It's easier said than done, but that's what we are being called to do by the example we have been given from Jesus' words on the cross. Now, a few suggestions for how to turn our weaknesses into strength. The first thing I would like to share with us today is for us to have faith and trust in God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all of your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding. Yeah, I know you can fix it. I know you have ideas of how this should be done, but just leave it to God. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. The Bible tells us that we should trust him with all our hearts and not be like the Jews we read about in the text who demanded signs or the Greeks who sought wisdom. If we can trust like a child, the Lord is telling us that he will make all our paths straight. Another suggestion for turning our weaknesses into strengths is to be thankful and prayerful. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, that do not be anxious about anything, heavy emphasis on anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, it doesn't say, well... You don't have to be anxious about school because you're smart. You can be anxious about other things. It says, do not be anxious about anything. So there are so many things that are pulling at us from different directions as human beings. You know, gas prices are going up. Do not be anxious. Grocery bills got you down. Do not be anxious. That's what the the Lord is telling us today. Thank God that you are alive. Thank God that you have good health, that you have sound mind. And if you're watching this via live stream, thank God that you even have Wi Fi. <laughs> so, finally, brethren, the Bible tells us in Psalm 30, verse 5, that weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Crucifixion Friday must have been a very sad day for the followers of Jesus Christ. Just think about it. Let's say, let, if you were there on, on crucifixion day, Picture in your mind's eye what must have happened. Here was Jesus, the Son of God, nailed to the cross, crowned in thorns, and he bled to death. It must have been a very sad, dark, and gloomy day. And here we are commemorating that day. However, three days later, he resurrected, never to die again, and all our weaknesses were forever transformed into strengths. Three days later, he resurrected. So what that tells me is that no matter what we're going through now, I really don't have any idea what you're passing through, what the situation is with you. Always remember that no matter how sad and hopeless and gloomy your Friday is, there's always going to be a Monday. Monday is just around the corner. Even the darkest night will eventually give way to the morning. So Hang on to God's promises, hold on to God's promises, and watch him transform your weaknesses into strengths.